I began to think about my faith experience and me coming to the Lord. And I will tell you this, it was through the influence of a godly stepdad. Um, you all know my story, many of you do. But it was the influence of a godly stepfather whom I called Pop, who loved me like his own son. And that's what he called me. He spent time with me. He invested relationship in, in my life. He took me hunting. We fished together. We did life together. And when the big decisions of life came along, guess who I went to? I went to Pop. I went to him. Because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that, I, that he loved me. And that there was this depth of love that he had for me. And he embraced me like the love of the Father. And it was that influence that brought me to Christ one year later at the age of 15. This thing of a growing faith is so important. And I don't know of any area that is more important than in the life of the home. Matter of fact, research is, is pointing this out. Let me, let me give you some kind of research stuff. I'm, I'm a research kind of nut on these things. But one of the things that, that, that researchers are saying now as it comes to the demographics of church and religion and people's faith and, and all this, they're saying now that, that we're seeing the rise of what they're calling the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, now, the rise of the nuns means this. These are the people that, and when they're filling out surveys, when they're filling out job descriptions, when they're filling out applications for, um, you know, or they're going into the hospital and they're filling out the application or they're filling out the paperwork, and it says religious affiliation, they are marking the, the block that says none. N-O-N-E. And they say that this, this group is, is growing, um, growing quite a bit. That, that this group is growing quite a bit. Matter of fact, many are raised in church. They get it, they're in church, raised in youth group. They're going to college. They're figuring out, trying to figure out life. And somewhere along the way, they come to realize that, hey, I don't need church, I don't need church, and I don't know that I need any sort of, quote-unquote, religious affiliation at all to be a part of my life. And so they fit in the category of nuns. Now, that's the reality of the day that we're living in. Now, we've got that with the rise of a growing secularism in our culture. And the look at, at church is oftentimes being as being a preference or being optional. And the reality of faith as being irrelevant. That, I, my friend, I'm afraid, is the climate by which we are in ministry today 
And so what people are, what young people particularly are crying out for is something that is substantial, something that is authentic, something that is real, something that is geared to more than just what is encapsulated in four walls. On the same token, we have some Christian kids who really get it. Who figured out that it's more than what's going on in a particular space or behind the walls. And so they go and they serve and they're doing hands-on ministry. Some are working inner city. Others are working in, in going to see the world like Anna Bates and like Jordan Harrison. Who's, who's going with her with a, with a group to minister. And there's, there, they know that the Christian faith is more than just coming in and hearing a sermon and saying, okay, I've done my duty. But it's actually vibrant and relevant and substantial part of their life and their decision making. So on one hand, I think, yes, there's a great challenge. On the other hand, I find it a great encouraging time. Because I want to tell you something. Our kids, our kids, our kids have something that I was not raised up with. In other words, it was a bold faith to go and to step out and say, I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. I want my life to matter with meaning. And I want to be used of God. And that is refreshing. Because if there's ever a time, if there's ever a need, it is a time that we live in. Now, I know that the thing's cutting in and out. And I'm going to try to fix that. Um, I, want you to, I want you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. And I just want to ask you this morning, have you identified somebody that's had a substantial influence in your life, in your faith, in, in your faith walk? Anybody here? Go ahead. Just if you've if can you, you know, maybe a family member? Okay. Now what I want you to begin to think about is how can I be that? How can I be that for our youth? And I'm so thankful for for that that for all that's gone on here this week in, in pre preparation for these three and four and five-year-olds and, and the older kids that are coming in. I'm going to tell you the first thing I, I did when I walked in here, I'm saying, okay, I've got to preach in the zoo Sunday. <laughs> and then i got to think, okay, how am I going to get the stage? Because, And I said, you know, this is an opportunity for me to walk on water. And, uh, but, you know, I, I began to put my, and I'm not that old, I begin to put my eyes on in the eyes of a three-year-old because I have a three-year-old grandson. And, and I'm thinking, one of the things that's just so amazing with a three-year-old is their imagination. I mean, it's powerful. The, the imagination is just powerful. And I'm thinking, you know, what's he going to think when he walks through a rock cave at church? And what's he going to do when he sees all these animals because he just went to the zoo yesterday? And 
He's connecting life and imagination and he's connecting it with God. And I take a deep breath and I'm thinking, thank you, God. I pray that I never lose my imagination. And that's the part of us that's very, very important because it's the, that's the part that conceptualizes and creates stuff. Things. There is a powerful reality. How do you create a growing faith? How do you create it in your home? How do you create it in your church? How do you create it in your family? How do you create it with your grandkids? How do you create it with your children? And I know, listen, I know that it's a challenge. I know it. I recognize it. I feel the same struggles that you feel. And how do you how do you get this to where they get it? And the Bible gives us some answers to that, I do believe. A growing faith. Martin Luther called it sola fide. And that is, and that is faith alone. Martin Luther discovered that you're saved not through the church or not through any kind of sacraments or anything like that, but you're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, and that is for the glory of God, and it is revealed in the sufficiency of Scripture. So we have the five marks of the, of the Reformation that, that, pointed, that pointed people to a relationship with Christ. Because in the end, it is Christ alone who saves. It's a powerful reality. And Martin Luther had gone throughout, as you heard his test, as you've heard his testimony, <laughs> as I shared his testimony of how he came to faith. How he came to faith. He actually gave up religion for relationship with Christ. And trusted Christ and therefore embarked on sharing the gospel with countless people. So what, is a, what does a growing faith involve? Well, you look in, in, in uh, Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 10. And I want you to look at, at verse 35. And then we're going to look at two or three verses here as we go on into it. He says... Now, the writer of Hebrews, and we don't know who it is. Some suspect or think it might be the Apostle Paul. Others claim that it could have been Apollos. We don't know. There's really no good. We don't know who wrote it. But we do know this. It was written by someone who knew the Jewish system very well. And they knew, they knew Judaism very well. And it was written to Hebrews. It was written for the Hebrew believers. For those that, that were Hebrews and part of the church. Now one of the things that was happening. As the early church was growing. As faith was growing. Uh, for a, for somebody to come to Christ. Meant that oftentimes they were. They were uh, left out of their, their own culture. Even rejected. So you, you know you had in the Roman Empire. You had, you had people coming to faith in Christ. Uh, who were Jews and Greeks. And, and you had all this attention. You had all this tension in, in the scenario and the situation. 
of people coming to faith. Many of them were discouraged. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying, I want you to have your confidence that, I don't know if you ever get discouraged in your life, but I mean, we do, I do. There's times that I find myself discouraged. And there were some that felt like just throwing in the towel, going back into Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews says, listen, what are you going to go back to? What is it that you're going to go back to? So notice what he says here. He says, so don't throw away the confidence, the confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. And then you will receive all that He's promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come. And not delay. And notice verse 38. And my righteous ones will live by faith. Say that with me. We live by faith. Now notice what he said. Faith is more than just a one-time event in your life. You say, okay, I've got faith. No, faith involves and intricately connected with faith is faithfulness. So he says the righteous ones live by faith. And so what we see here, first of all, is there is a consistent lifestyle. There is a consistent lifestyle that, that causes us to look for Christ, that anticipates His coming, that it causes us to endure with patience hardships, difficulties. There is a lifestyle of faith that marks our lives that through faithfulness, because we just don't turn around and turn away. There's a consistency. He says this, it is one that is based on that not only this patient endures, then he said, you will receive all that God has promised. He says, for in just a, a, in a, a while, the coming one will come and not delay. My righteous ones, those who are living for God, the justified before the Lord, as Romans says, and by Paul, will live by faith. And he says, I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We're the faithful ones. Whose souls will be saved. So there's a consistency in lifestyle. There's a consistency in lifestyle. So you're thinking, now I know, I know how this operates in our lives because I've, I've had the same thoughts. You know what? Yeah, I'm living for God. I'm doing all the, the things that I think and I know that He wants me to do and I'm right and I'm having all this hardship. And Lord, it just should not be so. It just shouldn't be this way. I mean, it shouldn't be this difficult. It shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't be this discouraged. I shouldn't be dealing with this and dealing with that. And dealing. If I must, there must be something wrong in my faith. No, everything may be right in your faith, dear one. Because you have hardships doesn't mean that you're not living by faith. It may be the very thing that, that actually points to the very fact that you are living by faith. It is your endurance. 
It is the endurance to go through hardships. Why? Ah, because you come as a, you become a living example. You become a living example of what a life of faith looks like to a world that's trying to figure out what's the meaning of it all, right? And therefore, God has you on display. And you say, well, I don't want to be on display. I know, I get it. I don't want to be on display either. But you have, and one of the things I've noticed in all of our testimonies, everything, everybody's come through some sort of hardship of some kind. What's, a, what's that about? That doesn't line up with what the most things you hear about preached on faith on TV today, does it? I know, I'm meddling. I mean, you look at this example. You look at this example. I'm trying to get closer to this little box over here, so I don't. I'm going to preach to you guys at the at the river edge. So, you know, what, what is it? What does it look like? And how do you create this in your home? This is the kind of faith that you want in your home. This kind of faith that says, "Oh, you know, we we got, we just have it easy all the time." What kind of faith is that? No, I mean, your children need to see how you resolve conflicts. They need to see how you deal with difficulties, how you deal with disappointments in life. And get it, they're getting it. They're seeing something. And so what you want is to create an environment for that. I remember this, I remember this when we were, I, I was trying to teach Andrew how to have faith. And I put God, or I, I didn't put God on the spot. I don't think you can put God on the spot. Um, but I'm like, Lord, he was like, Five. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm wondering, how do you teach a five-year-old the concept of faith? And I remember, I remember we were trying to fly, fly a kite. It, 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 was, it, was, it really meant a lot to him to fly a kite. This day, we were out, out on a cold mountain, and, and I, I was like, and he just wouldn't have it. We had to go fly a kite. And so we went out to fly a kite, and I said, it's not going to be a good day to fly a kite. I'm really, I'm really uh, uh, negative. Sometimes I'm not a person of great, great faith. I look out and I see the circumstances. I see the. I look out and I see that there's no wind blowing. And yet this little one's wanting to. He's wanting to fly a kite. And I said, I said, okay. I said, what we'll do, Andrew, is we'll go out here, and we'll go out here and try to fly the kite. And guess what we tried? We tried to fly the kite. And guess what happened? Absolutely nothing. I said, okay, we're going to pray and ask Jesus. And I'm like, okay, God. <laughs> and I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, you know how important it is for Andrew to understand faith and to understand that there's a connection between what we pray. And I pray for, I pray for wind to blow. And guess what happened? Eventually, there was a wind that came through. And guess who got the glory for it? I, I thought there was a kid saying it. God. And I'm like, Phew. thank you, Lord. His righteous ones live by faith. Faith is not about what you see. Faith is about the substance 
of what your trust is in. That's the source of faith. So, if you don't operate by faith, you will live in fear. And fear, I saw this little quote and I thought it's so good. Fear is developed in the dark room. And that's where negatives are developed. So you don't operate in faith, you operate in fear. You don't live by faith, you live by what you see, what you hear, what you know. And I want to tell you something, you live long enough and the older you get, the more you realize that there is not a whole lot that you are in control of. And that's real. So, you know, we get this concept of faith. Every time that you get in your car, you have, you have enough faith that you have enough experience that you turn the ignition, it's going to go. You put it in drive. You have enough faith that somebody knew that they were putting the road signs in the right place. And that when you get off the off-ramp, you're, off off you're not going to meet some oncoming traffic. At least you hope. You know, you have enough faith. Think about this. You know how much faith it takes to get on an airplane? I mean, you get on, you get on an airplane, you get on an, or a bus. You think of a bus. Nobody asks the bus driver, the airplane pilot, for their credentials before they get on. I mean, you know, it takes a, it takes really a lot of faith, and we and we. We, we pray and hope that these people have been properly trained and vetted and, and et cetera, et cetera. We understand, we understand that kind of thing. But the reality of faith is faith in God is you are trusting in His character. And that's the substance. In other words, you know that God is not a liar. So, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for as a confident assurance in hope. It's a confidence assurance that is looking forward. In other words, you're saying, I choose to believe God. I'm choosing to trust God and His character. And knowing that His character is good, and knowing that He is holy, knowing that He is righteous, knowing that He is just, Knowing that he is the God who knows all and sees all, is omniscient, omnipresent, and in his providence works out all things for his glory. So therefore, I totally relinquish any right of control for him to be God in my life. That's what it means to walk by faith. Walking by faith is not walking in fear. Walking by faith, that's the opposite. Walking is it's not walking by our feelings. It's not what we think or feel about God. It's, it's not what we feel about how good our faith is even. Matter of fact, you may not feel good about your faith right now. I have people tell me this all the time. They say, well, I just don't feel like I have a whole lot of faith. I say, great. God don't take God doesn't require a lot. He requires just a little. So faith is is the is the substance and the and the substance is this. It's the nature of 
God and believing God for who he is and for what he says. In other words, it's saying this. It's saying, Lord, I'm going to live like you are telling the truth. And therefore, I'm going to trust you and not call you a liar. I'm going to live by faith to trust you. And you like me, and I'm saying, okay, I can do that for the big things in life, like, you know, getting saved. Knowing, knowing that, knowing that I'm trusting Christ for salvation. But, how about this little problem, or this problem over here? Well, let me ask you, if you can trust God for your salvation, can't you trust God for some other stuff? Can't you? The power, the power of this is it's, it's the reality. In other words, God wants you to live not as someone hopeless, but someone who's looking to the future by faith. And so by faith, you're saying, Lord, I can't see it, but I know your nature. See, some things we know the will of God to be. The will of God, for I mean, it's been revealed in His Scripture, in His Word. So it's the confident assurance that produces hope in our life. So, and it's lived out through a consistent lifestyle, but it goes deeper than that. Now, I want you to get this because it goes, it's rooted, it becomes rooted and grounded in the way that we think and operate. Now, let me tell you, if you don't learn this in your life, you other things will become rooted and grounded in your life, like weeds, like weeds growing in a garden, like dandelions overtaking your your yard. There are other things that will root down in its place. Peter. Never will forget sitting over lunch with my pastor, who's, who I can put as one of those markers in my life. Tim Sturgill, years ago, put some markers in my life, educationally, ministry, professionally, career. Career chaplain. And he dealt with... He dealt with uh, that, that was his role. But I, I remember we were sitting and talking over lunch about how the tentacles of fear grow. And a rational fear can, can grow into a root system in our own lives that the rational fears become irrational. And all of a sudden, there's, a, you know, there's kind of a fine line between all that. But, but I want you to know something. There is an elaborate root system. There's an elaborate root system for these trees out here. And one of the things that the trees do when the winds blow, you don't see it, but I think it's botanists who say that the, that the root systems kind of, they kind of cling together. You know what? They cling together. The trees hold the tree, to each other together, and they hold the soil together. And there's an elaborate... And likewise, there's an elaborate rooting system in your spirituality. So if faith is just a one-time event that you pray a prayer and you have faith, that's not what the Scripture calls faith in the Bible. It is faith in God that turns, turns out to be faithfulness. It's not an inspired feeling. That's not faith. No, faith is confidence, regardless, confidence in God regardless of what you feel. That's what faith is. And when you begin to develop that as a rooting system, and I'm saying, oh God, I, this is the kind of rooting system that I want in my life because 
For that to happen in your family, you have to create some systems and rooting systems in your life that are that are that has a spiritual depth that when the winds of adversity blow into your life, and they certainly will, that you can stand. You rooted and grounded. Now I want you to notice here. It's the evidence of things not seen. It is a firm inner persuasion of the existence of unseen things, even as though they were manifest to one eyes. In other words, this confidence in God turns out to be a conviction. In other words, it gets down to the depth of the soul of our life, and it produces a firm conviction in who God is. It doesn't mean that we've made sense of life. It doesn't mean that, that it's all come together. It just means it just means that everything's just kind of like going great. And, oh, yeah, God is, you know, God's good because my circumstances are good. Some people will just have circumstantial faith. But is God still good when your circumstances aren't good? Let me ask you. Is He still good when things aren't going like you pray? Does God's, is God's nature whimsical? No. The nature of God, the conviction of everything, of the evidence of things not seen, it is that firm inner persuasion. In other words, it goes from the head up here of the nature of God down to the very conviction of who we know God to be. In other words, you don't get this by just coming to church on Sunday. Now you may hear it. It becomes that firm inner persuasion that you become convinced about because you know God. Because you've been alone with Him. You've spent time in His Word. That you've opened it up. And you have learned the nature of God. Even when your circumstances may be contrawise. That's faith. Here's the last one. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Now, if you look through the remainder of chapter 11 of Romans, or of chapter 11 of Hebrews, what you'll find is this. Some scholars call it the roll call of faith. It's a commendation of those who've lived out faith. And I want you to look at the names. Abraham. We know Abraham. I mean, these people were people. These were not people of great who did a great extraordinary feats. These were just people that believed God. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, I want you to know that in God's economy, it has always been this way. That it has been that the righteous live by faith. And he goes down and shows all these examples in, in, the, in the Old Testament of people that lived this way. And these were people, and you say, well, I'm not doing too good in my Christian life. Well, you know what? If, you were to, if Rahab the harlot were here today to give her testimony, what do you think she'd say? She made, she made the list 
She made the list. Just by simply trusting and believing in the promises of God. She made the list. And then there's Noah. You know, he lived in a messed up time. I mean, the days of Noah, when you go back and read Genesis 6, the times were messed up royally. There was violence, there was wickedness. There was, there was, it, it was unsafe. And God comes down and says, hey, listen, I'm going to bring judgment. And he says, Noah, I want you to go out and be a preacher of righteousness and start working on a boat. This guy had never seen rain. Now, I would have honestly had some questions. Noah did better than me. I'm like, Lord, what's rain? What's a boat? And he, he preaches 120 years. He's mocked. He's ridiculed. He's scorned. And you know what he keeps on doing? He just, he just keeps, on, he keeps on building his boat because he knows that God's going to one day bring the rain. I mean, it was great adversity. Great adversity. Great sacrifice. And this litany of those who have, been the, of, who have a commending faithfulness to God. In other words, they've created the environment of faith. Why? By simply taking God at His word. And saying, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm not God. You are. It is yours. Oh, what peace we often... Say it with me. Forfeit. Oh! 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 Mm. Oh! I'm hearing a song. You ever feel that way, though? Oh! So just go ahead and say it with me. It'll make you feel better. Oh! Y'all ain't got it. Oh, what needless pain we bear. You got it? All because we do not Oh, we do care. But we don't carry it to the source. Everything. Say this with me. Everything. Everything. To God in prayer. I'm closing. Say hallelujah. He's quitting early today. And it's just 15 after, right? Three-year-old. Let me go back. He's learning insects. Learning about bugs. Roly-poles. Centipedes. I didn't even know this kind of bug existed in the earwig. And I'm like, that's just a weird thought. But I mean, that conjured up imagination for me. Um, butterfly net, little jar, and last night was firefly kitchen. 
Okay? And I'm thinking, he gets some stuff. At three-year-old, he's getting some stuff. Three-year-old, he goes out and he catches these fireflies. And he brings them, he brings them into this little jar. And then he catches the last one. And they say, you're going to put this in the jar? No, no. Flies. And he lays the firefly. Fly! 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 Flyer! Firefly? I can't say it. Fly, fly, firefly. He released it. Why did a three-year-old release it? He could have taken it to his room. He could have looked at those things. Firefly through the night. What, do you want to keep the rest of it? No. And so he's cheering on this firefly. Now get this. He is cheering on this firefly. He says, come on, you can do it, firefly. Come on, you can do it. You can fly. Things will only fly that are created to fly for one thing. And things will only fly for God's glory when they're released. When they're given over completely without reservation saying this is not mine this is meant to fly. Faith. Faith that is released Releases it to one who knows more. Knows better. Knows all the intricacies. And has the power for things to operate the way they're created.